This week's parsha is Parshas Emmer. Towards the end of the parsha, there's a parsha called the Matalel. Parsha discussing a terrible incident in Klal Yisrael. And the parsha starts out as follows: Vayetze ben Isha Yisraelis, vu ben Ish Mitzri b'seich bnei Yisrael. There was a certain man who was the son of a Jewish woman. His mother was a Jewess, and his father was a Mitzri. And they had a relationship. They produced this son, and he came out. Vayetze, he went out b'seich bnei Yisrael amongst Klal Yisrael. He started fighting with a Yid, with a regular, with a regular Jew. And then what happened was, ultimately, he was Makalal the shame. As a result of this fight, he became Makalal. He went and was Makalal Shem Shemayim Rachman Litzlan. And there was an issue about what to do with him. They didn't know exactly what to do with him. They put him in the prison, and Hashem told him that he deserves to have. Skilo. So Rashi brings over here, what does it mean by ben Isha Yisraelis? What's this Lashon of Vayetze? He went out. Where did he go to? The Isha, the ben Isha Yisraelis went out. Mehechan Yatsa, Reblevi Aymer Lama Yatsa. You know where he left? He left his world by doing this Misa. This Misa was basically writing him a ticket straight out of this world. Because eventually, by being Mekalel, he left the world. He had no Zchusim anymore to stay in this world. Some say that it means that he left Eilam Haba. He lost, he forfeited his right to Eilam Haba. But that's one shot in Vayetze. He left this world. By doing this Misa, he exited this universe. Rebrachi says a different shot in Vayetze. Mi parsha yatsa. He left the parsha that preceded this parsha. What was the parsha right before the parsha of the Makalel? The parsha of the Lechem Aponim. Ligleg ve'omar yarcheno. The pasuk says that by the Lechem Aponim, every Shabbos it should be arranged. You should arrange the Lechem Aponim. You should take the tray, tray containing Lechem Aponim, which was baked on a Friday. It was put on the Shulchan on Shabbos. It would stay there the entire week until the next Shabbos, and then it would be replaced with a new tray of lechem upon him, and then the Kaihanim would eat this lechem upon him. So he made fun of that, that mitzvah of lechem upon him. He said, Derech ha-melech lechel paschama b'chol yayim. Shem ha-pasch yamim bitmiya. Would President Bush, would he ever eat a nine-day-old piece of bread? We don't eat, if a bagel here is, is, is more than, than three hours old, well, no one will touch it. If it's three days old, it's already, you know, it's, no one would think, it's, it's a nine day, imagine a nine day old bagel, would anyone touch? No, even the old timers who, you know, back in my time was, uh, you know, we would, we would eat much more. That, nine, you don't touch a nine day old piece of bread. It's not shy, it's not edible, Pashit. So, how do you expect, what's the pshat that in the Beis HaMikdash, in the Mishkan, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu commands us that the bread should remain on the tray for a whole nine days, it should be baked on a Friday, and nine days later on the next Shabbos, it should be eaten? What kind of, what kind of business is this? It says that people should eat 
past cold bread, nine day old bread doesn't make sense so he made fun of the parsha of the lechem upon him and as a result of that people argued with him chutzpah, don't make fun of lechem upon him they got into a fight and in the end he decided to makal Hashem as a result of that fight but that's the Rebrachia's pshat say he went out of the last parsha on the Torah of of the lechem upon him, and he started taking issue and mocking that parsha. <coughs> That's the second pshat in Vayetze. And the third pshat that Rashi brings, Umasnisa Amra, Mi Beistine Shal Moshe Yatsa Mechuyov. He left the best in a Moshe, and he was indicted. He left guilty from the base, from the best in a Moshe. Why? What happened? Bolita Aloi Biseich Machenedon. His mother, who was the Jewish woman, she came from Machinadon. Her, his father was the Mitzri. So he said, listen, I got nowhere else to live. So let me live. Let me pitch my tent in Machinadon, in the camp, in the encampment of Don. Where else am I supposed to go? Amrulai, um. so Machinadon looks at him and says, Mativ Khalakan, what do you think you're doing here? This ain't your territory. What do you mean? I'm from Don. My mother's from Don. No, the way that the encampment works was It depends on your father. It doesn't depend on your mother. Your mother is irrelevant here. Your mother comes from Shevet Don. That's very nice. Where's your father from? It's from Mitzrayim. Go back to Mitzrayim. Don't, you, you have no place over here. You have no right to live amongst us in Machanedon. Don. So he took it up to the Supreme Court. He went to the Bestina Shomesha to Paskin. Where can I live? Am I allowed? Do I have to live in Shevet Don in the Machinadon? The Yotza Machuyev Meshra bin Paskin against him says, You have no right to live here, Taka. You have no, you have no Zchus to live in the Machinadon. And then, Ahmad Vigidev. He was so angry at this Psak. That he went and he was Megadev, he went and he was Makala of the Rabbanishon. Okay, so we have three pshat and Rashi brings in what's the pshat in the word by Yetze. Where did he go out from? Either he left this world because of his, as a consequence of his bad mistake of being Makala Hashem, or it means by Yetze is the pshat that he left, he left from the parsha above about the Lechem upon him, he made fun, he scoffed at the Lechem upon him, Nine-day-old bread. What king, what royalty would ever touch nine-day-old bread? And the third shot is, Vayetze, he left the best in a Moshe, found guilty, he was upset, and he cursed the Rabbi Nishleim. Three pshat to Vayetze. Let's discuss the second, the second pshat, Rebrachia's pshat, that he left, making fun of the, of the Lechem Apanim. L'chaira, this makes absolutely no sense. Because we're probably all familiar with the Gemara Menachis. The Gemara Menachis tells us that when the Eile Regalim, when people would be Eile Regal, they come to the Beis HaMikdash, so they would be getting a tour of certain parts of the Beis HaMikdash. They, get, they got tours. And one of the places that they'd be shown was the Shulchan. The Shulchan would be shown to Kla Yisrael, whoever came up to Yerushalayim, and they'd say to the, the, the tour guide, would say to the Jews that are looking at, in at the Shulchan, they'd say, Look at how HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves you so much. 
Look at how endearing, how, 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 how he loves you, how beloved you are to him. Why? What was so great about the Eilei Regal? What was so great about the Lechem Aponim by seeing the Shulchan? Because Rabbi Shur ben Levi says, Neis Godol Nase Belechem Aponim, Silukai Kesidurai. Tremendous Neis when it came to Lechem Aponim. Lechem Aponim was far from stale after nine days. It was hot, it was fresh, it was the exact same matzah as it was when it was freshly baked and put on it. On one Shabbos, by the time they took it off the second Shabbos, it was still piping hot, delicious, fresh bread. It was a tremendous nace, and that's what the Eile Regalim were able to see and perceive. How great the Chiba is, how Baruch Hu makes such a nace every single week in the Beis HaMikdash to give Lechem upon him to show how warm and how pure the relationship is between us and him. The Gemara brings the Pasuk in Shmuel Aleph, Lassum Lechem Cham B'yemi Lachai. On the day that it was taken off, the day the Lechem Apan was taken off, the second Shabbos, nine days later, it was as warm as it was when it was originally placed on the Shulchan. So the question that all the Mepharshim ask is, what in the world was the Makalal thinking? What was he talking about? Why would he, see, why would he fail to see the nace in the Lechem Aponim? Why would he say, why would he be maladleg on the parish of Lechem Aponim? Everyone else in Klai Yisrael was able to come away from Lechem Aponim being awed. They would come back home and tell of the miracle of Lechem Aponim. And this Makala was malagleg on the Lechem Aponim that it's a Melech would only eat fresh bread and these people, these Kaihanim and in the, in the Beis HaMalchus of the Rabbi Nishra and the Mishkan, he's had, he has nine day old bread sitting on the Shulchan over there. There's something missing over here. What was the Makala's Taina? How could the Makala possibly ever have such a, such a statement? How could he make, how could he have such an attitude? And the answer, I believe, to this question is, and I found this in other Sarm as well, the answer is that everything depends in a person's perception. Everything in life is perception. The famous muscle of a glass which is half full of something, and one person can see the glass as being half full. Wow, look, I got a half a cup of, of, of apple juice. Another person will pass by and look at the same exact cup and say, half a cup empty. It's the same exact cup. But it's two different pairs of eyes. It's two different perceptions of the same thing. Everything in life is totally not on the mitzvahs as much as it is to how we perceive the mitzvahs. Certain people look at everything as being negative. Everything is bad. Every event that takes place is a terrible thing. Tragedy. Other people's can, people can look at the exact same event and see the silver lining in the cloud. They're not daunted. They're not upset. They're not worried. But they see only positive. Even in situations that you could see negative, they choose to see the positive. Then there are people that see the negative even when situations are very, very clear that they're positive, but I'm always miserable, I'm always upset, I'm always angry. There's always a taina. There's always a makam to be malagleg, to have leitzanas, to be a cynic. That's a mitzvah in life. Everything depends in life on a person's perception. 
HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there is no bad by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There's nothing bad from the Rabbani Shalom. The only thing bad in life is our perception of things. If a person could see things clearly, everything is amazing. If a person chooses not to, then everything is terrible. But it's the same exact thing. It's just a matter of perception. Everyone that came to the Beis HaMikdash or Rav of Yisrael that came to the Beis HaMikdash and were zeichet to behold this miracle of Lechem upon him, they came away as unbelievable. Wow! Nine-day-old bread and it's still piping hot. It's still fresh. That's amazing. That's a nice. That shows the chib of the Rabbi towards us. This Mikalel, though, this Mikalel had a negative attitude about life. And this Mikalel saw in the Lechem upon him, instead of seeing the, the steam rising from the Lechem upon him, and the beauty and the freshness of the Lechem upon him, he chose to see it as stale, old, nine-day-old bread, and something which was not suitable for a Beis HaMelech, something that a president and a king would never have, and yet we have here negativity, to be constantly negative, because that's how he perceived life. He looked at life with a jaundiced eye, seeing things, everything was bad, everything was negative, everything was clouded, because of his attitude. Instead of seeing something positive, he chose to see it negative. And that was his downfall. That's why by Yetzeh, he left this world because of his attitude. That very attitude of negativity is enough to take somebody out of this world. And I believe you find this very, very Yisait in a Chazal on this parsha of the Makalo. If a person reads this parsha Kipshutai, how would you interpret it? You read a Pasuk in Chumash, Vayetze ben Ishi Yisraelis, Vuhu ben Ish Mitzri b'Seich b'nei Yisrael. A person, a son, his mother was a Jewish woman, and his father was a Mitzri. What do you say? What's the first, what's the first reaction to such a Pasuk? It's a Shanda. It's a scandal in Kali Yisrael. What a Jew, I thought in Mitzrayim, everyone, everyone was so great in Mitzrayim. Here you see it seems that it wasn't so great. It seems that there was some, there was some stuff going on between, between Jews and Mitzrayim. A Jewish woman having a relationship with a, with a Gaiish or with a Mitzri in Mitzrayim producing this child. It's a scandal. That's, I think, Pashat, the way an attitude, uh, a, a normal attitude of a human being would be reading this Pasuk. Look at the Medrash though. The Medrash says, Gan no'ol achaisi kalo. Basically speaking about Jewish women, that they're gan no'o. They're a garden which has a lock on it. They're completely pure, nothing ever, no, 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 no impurity, no tumor. Never any misa of scandal amongst Jewish women. They're always pure and chaste. Everything was perfect by Kla Yisrael. A Jewish woman was always historically the most tar, the most kaddish and the most protective of her tzniyos. And the raya is gufa from this parasha. It says there was not anyone ever up until that time that was paritz erva. Teidolchan, I'll bring you a raya shukain. Achas hoiso pirsamakos. If there was one woman in the history of Klai Yisrael up until that moment that was not tzanua, 
that allowed herself to be with a Mitzri, and the Pasuk went and screamed about it. The Pasuk was Megala this floor in Klai Yisrael. What is the Medrash saying? The Medrash is saying that everything is a matter of perception. Yes, you can look at this as a scandal. But the Medrash doesn't see it. The Chazal don't see it like that. Chazal say, yes. Was this a particular Maisa good? Good? No, it wasn't a good Maisa. But from this Maisa, you see the beauty of Klai Yisrael. They're able to see how full the other part of the glass is. The one time that the Torah is Megala, this woman is because it's the only time that it ever happened. Every other 99.999% of the Klai Yisrael and Mitzrayim were always Ganol HaChesekal. They were pure and they were perfect and they were Tznuim. They would never dream about having a Maisa like this. This is the one time and this is the only time that it happened. A lot of times there are scandals, you know, in Klai Yisrael, Achman Litzlan, Bikhil Hashem's money laundering and this and that. And people, and it is Taka Chil Hashem, there's no two ways about it. But a person can look at it in one of two ways. A person can look at it and say, a scandal, a shanda, this is what, uh, you know, and he was, uh, this is the, 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 the Hasidim and the, the, the Litmaks and the this and the, and right away, you know, paint with a very, you know, with, with, with a very broad brush and make everyone tarnished and Klai Yisrael is bad and we're money hot. Or you could say, listen, this happens by Goyim every single day, a thousand times a day. The fact that it even makes the news means that it's something that's unique. That it's rare that it should happen. And that Klai Yisrael is a perfect nation almost. And when things happen that are wrong, it's it's reprehensible. But you have to keep the bigger picture in mind. You have to know that Klai Yisrael as a whole, 99.9% of Jews, it doesn't happen to. So if once in a while it happens, that means that there are exceptions. We're only human. And it happens. No one's perfect. But look at the bigger picture. Look at how perfect Klai Yisrael is as a whole. Don't look at things as and, and make jump to conclusions, but rather understand that things are isolated and look at how much is not involved in the bad. That's a matter of perception, and that's what the parsha of the Mikalo is teaching us. We find a very, very similar idea when it comes to the parsha of the Miraglim. The Miraglim were people, Chashuva people in Klai Yisrael, and they went into Eretz Yisrael to scout out Eretz Yisrael before they before we invaded, and they came back with terrible, terrible reports. They came back and they they brought these big, luscious fruits, huge grapes, huge apples, huge banana, everything, beautiful fruits, tremendous bracha. But instead of saying that it's a beautiful, amazing country and the fruits are so lush and beautiful. Instead, they decided to say, Chazal bring, that they said terrible things about it. They said that the same way, Kishem Shep, Shep, Mishunim, Kach, Kacha Aretz Mishunim. Now, it's the same way that the Paris are, the Paris are Mishunim, there's something strange about these Paris. They're mutant Paris. They're weird. There's something weird about it. So too, the whole thing is Mashunah. The whole country is Mashunah. I don't think we're going to be able to win. Another thing they came back and they reported was that wherever we went, there were funerals. Everywhere we went, they were burying other people, more people, more people. And what did they come back and say? That it's Eretz Eichel Es It's a land 
which it devours its inhabitants. Terrible land. There is a place you don't want to go to this place. Wherever we went, there were constant massive funerals. It's a place which is dangerous. You don't want to go in there. Now the Miraglim, why couldn't they see things better? Why couldn't they see things positively? If they would have seen that the fruit of Eretz Yisrael, the beauty of the fruit of Eretz Yisrael, how special it is, how Kedush Baruch Hu blessed Eretz Yisrael, that gave it, and, and gave it such abundant and special fruit, that would have changed the entire picture. If they would have understood that the reason for the funerals were to preoccupy the people so that they wouldn't notice the miraglam, they wouldn't get caught, it was all mechaste Hashem, then they would have understood that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is mamish caring about us. There's Ashkacha Pratis in Eretz Yisrael. It's Eretz Hashem Hu looks and observes and cares about Klai Yisrael. Dafke in Eretz Yisrael more than any other place in the world. They could have seen it good. They had the choice of making the right, having coming away with the right conclusions. If their eyes would have been pure and clean, and they would have been able to have a proper perception of things. But instead, they looked at things negatively. They chose, they made a conscious decision, we are not going to look at it positively. They knew they could have. They could have seen the glasses being half full. But instead, they chose to see it as half empty. They made this decision, we're going to go back, and we're going to speak Dibas Haaretz. We're going to speak badly about Eretz Yisrael. We're going to look at something that could be interpreted one of two ways. And we're going to look at it the bad way. We're going to look at it the negative way. And because of that, look at the tragedy that befell Klai Yisrael. That whole dar was wiped out. They weren't zeichet to see Eretz Yisrael. And because of that, we were on Tishabav. We had the Churban Bayesrisha and the Churban Bayesheni and all the other terrible tragedies throughout Jewish history on Tishabav. All because of Atem Bechisem Bechiyashalchinam. Because of these tears, which were purely tears in vain. There was no need for them. There was no reason for them. They should have been jumping for joy, the Miraglim and, and Klai Yisrael, if they really had the right attitude. But because they mistakenly perceived things as being negative instead of being positive, that's why they suffered the fate that they suffered. There's a Misa with a famous, uh, famous individual. Some of all of you have heard of him. His name is si- Simon Wiesenthal. Simon Wiesenthal is a very, very, I think he was just nifter a couple of, uh, very recently. And he's a famous, a very famous Nazi hunter. Um, he used to, he made it his life's mission to go after the war and to hunt down Nazis one by one to try to find where they are, anyone that survived, wherever they may be, to try to get them and bring them to justice. But he himself, when he was a young man, he was in the concentration camps. And he saw something in one day that at first he looked at positively, and then he had a change of attitude. He saw that another inmate, another a person in his bunk, smuggled into the concentration camp a sitter. To daven with, if he would have been caught with a sitter, he would have been shot dead on the spot. And so young Simon Wiesenthal looks at this, looked at this man and says, wow, look at how, look at what a good Jew does. He, even though his life is at stake, he still wants to pray. He still smuggles in a sitter into the, into the concentration camps, punishable by death. 
but prayer comes before his very life. It's unbelievable. And then, a couple of days later, he comes into the bunk, and he sees that there's a line of people, a line of Jews, and they all have a piece of bread in their hand. He says, what's going on? He says, this guy that smuggled the sitter into the camp, he told people that he had the sitter, and if anyone wants to use the sitter, they can, but they have to give him one quarter of their daily ration as payment. If you got a loaf of bread to last you the entire day, they'd have to cut the bread into, into quarters and give him one quarter of the bread, and then he, they would be allowed to use the sitter for about ten minutes. When Simon Wiesenthal saw this, he got so upset, he was so disheartened, he thought that this guy was Mamash Tzadik, and then he sees that he's really, uh, he's really, he had only his own, uh, his own stomach in mind. He didn't care about the sitter. He was using it just as a bartering tool to be able to enrich himself, to be able to fill himself up. He was so disappointed and so disillusioned that he completely lost faith in the whole religion. After the liberation of the camps, Reblazer Silver, the great Reblazer Silver. Reblazer Silver was the Rav. He, he was born in Europe, and he was a tremendous guy in, in learning. He's a tremendous tzaddik, and I believe he was a Talmud of the Briskarov. I know he was a Talmud of the Briskarov, and he became the Rav in Harrisburg, uh, in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. After the war, he established a group called the Vad Hatzalah. Varatzala was a group that raised a lot of money and went to Europe and delivered packages and tried to help Yidden that were, were in DP camps, try to get out of the DP camps, get clothing on their back, get somehow mainstream back into regular society. So he went in Europe, there are famous pictures of, of Reblazer Silva, a tremendous gadol, wearing a U.S. Army uniform. Because that's what, in order for him to drive around Europe from one DP camp to another, he had to show that he was an American citizen, like an American chaplain. So he had the, the cap and, 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 the, and the soldier's uniform, the American flag on it. And he would travel from camp to camp, from place to place, giving chizuk, giving support, speaking to people, giving eitzes, chizuk. He came to one camp and he noticed, he was davening in the morning, and he noticed that this Simon Wiesenthal he had met the day before didn't show up for davening. So later on in the day, he met him, and he asked him, he says, are you, why didn't you come for davening? He says, are you upset with, uh, you're upset with the Rabbani Shalom? Many people after the war were upset with God. They had kindness on Hashem for, for how could he allow such a thing? So he says, are you upset with the Rabbani Shalom? He says, not with him. He says, but with his servant. He says, what do you mean with his servant? He says, so he told him this whole mice that happened and how, how disgusted he was by this whole scene that was, that played out in front of his own eyes. Sir Blazer Silver looks at him in the eye and says to him, do dumer. He says, you silly, silly man. He says, instead of focusing on that one individual, on that, on that imperfect individual, why don't you look at the lines of people that were lining up in the camp to give their precious bread to this man just to use a sitter to daven to the Rabbi You could have looked at it one of two ways. Instead of you focused your attention on the, on the bad guy in the picture. And Itaka was, there, maybe there was a tain on him. 
but for that you're upset at the Rebbeinu Shalom, for that you're upset at Klai Yisrael. Look at how great Klai Yisrael is. Take that occasion, that very occasion, and look at the Milo of Yidin, that a Yid would be able, a Yid is famished. I'm dying of hunger, I have nothing to eat. Imagine for yourself, you mamish are starving to death, there's nothing to eat every day, they throw at you one old roll of bread. And you need every single morsel of it basically just to be able to function, to do the work that they're telling you, that they're forcing you to do. And I have a choice now to make. I could either eat the whole thing myself or I could eat three quarters of it and give a quarter and in order to daven out of a sitter and they choose to daven out of a sitter even though it's costing them precious, precious sustenance. Look at how great Klai Yisrael is. That's what Blazer Silver told Simon Wiesenthal. And Simon Wiesenthal, he writes this whole thing in his own autobiography. He tells us nicely with Blazer Silver. And he says that he, this rabbi made me see clearly the proper attitude to have towards the Jewish people. He says, and from that moment on, I always tried as best as I could to always seek out the positive in Klai Yisrael. And I made it my mission in life to try to help Jews and understand them and try to better Klai Yisrael through my own positive perception of them. And from then on, I started going to davening, he says. This is a beautiful maisa which illustrates the kayak of one's perception. You can look at the same exact maisa and either look at it as a tragedy or as a tremendous, tremendous success. You can look at it as a reason for celebration or reason for utter mourning. And it's the same exact thing. It's the same exact event, it's the same thing, but it's all a matter of how you choose to look at something. The Chavis Halvaves in Sharach Niyot, in Perak Vav, he brings down a Maisa with one of the Chassidim. So the Chassid that was walking on the road with a Talmud. And the Chassid and the Talmud were passing by the carcass of a dead animal. Roadkill. And basically, it smelled, it's, it, it, there was a terrible, terrible odor that was coming out of this dead animal. And the Talmud looks at his Rebbe, holds his nose, and he says, Ugh, how putrid a smell that this animal is, is emitting. It's terrible. It's unbearable. It's awful. And the Chassid looks at his Talmud and says, But notice how white the teeth are of this animal. Did you notice how white and beautiful the teeth are of this animal? And the Chavis Avavis writes that this Maisa teaches us why did the Chassid say this to his Talmud? Because he wanted to be Mechanich his Talmud. He wanted to teach a lesson that the Talmud would no doubt ever forget. And that's don't look at things as negative. You have a choice. Yes, you could say the animal smells. You can go through life and saying that everything in life smells. Everything is bad. If you want to look for bad, there's plenty to find. There's no shortage of bad in life. There's no question about that. But you can always find something to salvage. You can always find a saving grace in anything in life. Any situation in life has its positives. As great as the negatives might be, there's always the positives. The positives. There's always, look at how white the teeth are. Look at the silver lining of the cloud. It's not that bad. Things could be worse. There's a, a hidden blessing here. But it's a matter of how a person perceives it. If you want to scope through life and saying how masriach, how rotten everything is, that's your choice. You could do that. 
But if a person chooses and makes a conscious decision, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be a person that's constantly bitter and constantly complaining. Then a person's entire life changes. A person can change the entire outlook on life. The entire panorama of life, the entire landscape of life can look beautiful just as it can look ugly. And it's all a matter of our decisions of how we want to make our life look. The last shot that we brought from Rashi might have troubled you. This Yid, this son of, a, of an Ish, um, Mitzri, whose mother was from Shevet Don, he wanted Nebuch, he wanted to pitch his tent somewhere. It's a homeless guy, he has no place. So he goes to Shevet Don, he asks, do me a title, let me pitch, look, give me a, I mean, it's not, it's not Midtown Manhattan, it's not priceless real estate, you're out in the middle of a Midbar, what's the big deal? Let me pitch my tent right here on this pitch, piece of sand, let me live. No. They took him to Beston, we're not gonna let you live here, your, your father's not from Shevet Don, tough luck, goodbye. Go find somewhere else to live. Go back to Mitzrayim. And Moshe Rabbeinu Paskin's against him. What's going on over here? What happens to the Rachmanus of Kal Yisrael? I mean, is this something that we should exemplify? Is this something that like we should model our lives after? If a guy comes, uh, he comes to our home and he says, "I got nowhere to sleep," we kick him out in the street and say, "Sorry, you know, uh, you know, your father wasn't." He's a yid. This guy was a yid. Let him live in, in Shevet Don anywhere. But if he wants to live in Shevet Don, let him pitch his tent in Shevet Don. Well, why are you kicking him out? Why should he, you know, it's, he can't say this, but like you almost don't blame the guy for being upset. Comes, I would also be upset if it was me. I don't know if I'd be Makal Hashem, but I would, but I would, I would certainly have reason to be upset. Listen to the Yisrael of the Altaf and Kelim, which is exactly what we're saying here today. The Altaf and Kelim says, this guy was a negative guy. As we see, it wasn't necessarily a machlekes in Metzias. He was, he was malagleg on the lechem upon him. Everything was bad. He could have looked at the lechem upon him as being wonderful. Instead, he decided to look at it as stale, old, nine-day-old bread. This was his gang in life. This is everything in life. Always everything is negative. We know a lot of people like this. Every single thing, whatever they go, how was your trip? Ugh, it was awful. Couldn't wait to get back. How's the shul that you daven in? The, the rav can't speak, and people talk during davening, and it's, uh, the kiddush is awful, and people are, you know, I can't move. There's no, there's no room. There's no, everything is bad. That's the way a lot of people in life are. Every single thing, everything's a complaint. Every nothing is comfortable. Nothing is good enough. Nothing is happy. Everything is bad, bad, bad. That was this guy. The Macaulay had that personality. Zakta Altaf and Kellum. 60,000 people lived in Shevet Don. And yet they couldn't find room for this one guy to live. The answer is, that's right. If you allow such a guy to live amongst you, he's a cancer which will spread to every one of the 60,000 people. If you have a person, if a person is a negative person, that negative attitude is contagious. Negativity is contagious. If you live with cynical people, if you live amongst people with negativity, that everything is bad, everything is, 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 is for the birds, then you, it will spread to you. You will also get that attitude. And Shevet Don was not willing. That's not the chesed that they were willing to do. Chesed, there are limits to chesed also. 
Chesed is good if everything else works out for you. But to invite somebody into your home that's going to be negative, that's going to bring negativity, a bad, an entire atmosphere which is poisoned, which is polluted, which is putrid, and will spoil the entire ruach of a shaven in Klai Yisrael, there there's taka, no room for him. Such a person, there's no room. Our tent might be very wide, but it's not that wide. It's not wide enough to invite in people that will poison the air. And that's the way, that's the Yisrael, that's why Shevet Don took it to court, and they won. Because that's the Yisrael, a person that's negative is a very, very dangerous person. This is Negea, what we're speaking about today in so many ways. The first thing that it's Negea to is ourselves personally. If we find that we do have this Mida in us, that we see things negative, that we look at things cynically, that everything is a complaint, everything is bad, nothing is happy, I'm not happy with my chabrus, I'm not happy with the, with the temperature ever in the room, I'm never happy with my shear, not happy with my roommates, not happy with, uh, with, um, with anything, everything's bad, bad, bad. You have to change that. You have to change your attitude, and it's shayach to change your attitude. It's just, you have to turn, turn the button in your mind, flip the switch, and make sure that instead of seeing things negative, you start seeing things positive. You come, after you're married, you come home from a day, from a long day's work, and it was hard. You come in, you kiss the mezuzah on your way in, you decide consciously, I'm not going to speak negatively. I'm not going to bring negativity into the house. Because if I speak negatively, then my wife is going to start being negative, and my kids are going to start being negative. And it's going to spread to my kids' friends and my wife's friends, and, and, it, and it spreads so quickly. Instead of coming in and saying, I oh, traffic was terrible, and my boss was in a really bad mood today, and I don't know if I'm going to stay at this job, it's terrible, it's, uh, it's the, I, I don't know, I, everything is doom and gloom. Instead of doing that, see, say things, see things positively. Baruch Hashem, my car made it there. Baruch Hashem, I, still, I have a job, many people don't have jobs. Baruch Hashem, look for the bright things, look for the good things in life. You're in a yeshiva, okay, not everything is perfect, you're not perfectly happy with your shir, you're not perfectly happy with your chavrusa, you have a great mashkiach. I mean, there's always something positive, right? It's not, not everything is always so terrible, right? Something has to be good. So concentrate on the, on what's good in your life, Concentrate what's the positives, and if you concentrate on the positives, then you'll see suddenly, magically, how everything is really good. If you focus on negative, then everything is bad. I have bad luck, I'm always, I'm cursed, I have, you know, no, no mazel. If a person says, no, I do have mazel, look at how great everything is. Look, Baruch Hashem, I'm healthy, not in the hospital, I'm able to walk, I'm able to talk, I'm able to see, I have a family, I have friends, I have food on my table, I have a roof over my head. Maybe it's taka not so bad. If a person looks at the positive, then even the things that used to be negative could also be flipped, flipped over like the pieces on an Othello game. You could flip over all the pieces and make them all a different color. It's just a matter of how, how you start being mashrish this midah of being positive in life and how far it will take you. But you could do it. It's just a matter of making a conscious decision. I'm not going to be one of those bitter people. I'm not going to be a negative person. I want to only be positive because that is the entire life. If I could look at things positively, then your entire life will be positive. If you want to look at things negatively, you could take a perfectly good life and throw it in the garbage because it's all going to be negative. 
But it's all a matter of how you choose. It's your choice. It's not anyone else. You could blame everyone else in the world. I have terrible this, terrible that. It all comes down to you. You are in the driver's seat. You can make your life great or your life terrible, but it's completely up to you. I, but there are situations that, yeah, there are some bad situations. There are some very bad situations. But even in the worst situation, a Jew, anyone, but especially a Yid, always has the ability to be, to be resilient, to look at the positives, to be able to escape and to be able to succeed in any single matzah that life presents. I mean, look at the Yidin that went through the war. Millions of Jews died and millions of Jews survived. Or probably less than millions of Jews survived, unfortunately. But from the Jews that survived, they came to Europe, they came to Eretz Yisrael, they came to, uh, they came to the United States, and instead of having every reason to be depressed, every reason to hang up their hat and basically say, I'm finished, I lost my entire family in the war, uh, people lost their, their, their wives, nine children, twelve children, all their money, they came here without a shirt on their back, and they were able to somehow remarry, have children, have a new, have family, start up businesses, become matzliach. Where did they get that from? How did they have that ability to pick themselves up and do that? It's like superhuman. But we have that ability. If a person just decides that I want to be good, I want to see things as not negative, but positive. I want to see tomorrow as brighter. I want to make sure that my life will be wonderful. A person can make his life wonderful. But it's up to you. You could take the worst situation and make it amazing. And you can learn from the bad in life and make it and turn that over too and make that into a life-altering experience. But it's all a matter of mabat, of perception. And it's also negeya with the friends that we hang out with. Just like Shevet Dun wanted to keep their machina pure, we also have to make sure to be very, very selective with who our friends are, who we choose as our friends. If we have friends that are sort of on the fence, so we could be makari of them. But if we have friends that are negative, if we have friends that we feel are too negative, and it's, it's taka having, it's rubbing off on me a little bit. I'm becoming negative. I'm becoming bitter. I'm also seeing life as being, as being a dark and gloomy place. Then it would be not a bad etzah to find new friends. To stop that friendship. It's not a healthy friendship. If you could be, if your tachlis is to make him more positive, to better him, so fine, I believe in Kirov. But you also have to protect your own self. You also have to make sure that you surround yourself by good, positive, healthy people. And marry when you, when you, when you're getting married, when you're seeking a wife. That should be the, on the top three priorities that you're looking for. It should be a girl who sees things positively who's not negative, who's not bitter, who's not always, you know, complaining about things, who's not, always unhappy, always displeased, or nothing is good enough, nothing, the food's too hot, it's too cold, it's too spicy, it's too, the, the room is too hot, too cold. That's not a person that you should necessarily be mishaber to, because that will rub off on you and that will change your perception on life. You always have to try to seek people, surround yourself with people that are positive, that are good nature, that are happy, that see the brighter side of everything, and that way you'll ensure that your life will be positive. That's the sight of the parish of the Makalal. The parish of the Makalal, the moral of the story is that if a person sees things badly, then he will be Makalal. You know why he's a Makalal Hashem? 
because he had good training. He was makal everything else. Hashem was the last thing on his list, so ultimately he hit Hashem. But he was makal everything. I curse my friends, I curse my chavrus, I curse my family, I curse the day I was born, I curse everything. He's cursing everything else, so he might as well curse the bunch. That was the last thing on his to-do list. If a person is a mavarich, if a person, instead of trying to seek bad, so there's a great piskum, I don't know if it's Yiddish or Gaish, I think it's Gaish, but it's still great. It says, it's better, it's better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. You can always curse the darkness. You know, it's easy to curse the darkness, but it's much better to just simply light a candle and bring light into the world. If a person is a mavarich, if a person chooses to see the bright side of things, and he's mavarich everything, everything is good. Everything in, in life, even the worst possible things in life, there's reason for a bracha to the Rabbi We don't see it all immediately, but long term, you will understand why even the things that you thought were bad were really the ultimate gifts. But you have to be mavarich. And if you're mavarich everything in life and you look at everything positively, then that's ultimately the biggest bracha that you could possibly give to the Rabbi person is a positive person, a person loves the Rabbi Shalom, loves the world that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave him, loves all the blessings that HaKadosh Baruch Hu bestowed upon him. That is the ultimate, he is a walking Musr Sefer. He is a walking bracha, constantly singing the Rabbi Shalom's praises, constantly being able to bring light into the world, to show how the world is really not a bad place, it's a wonderful place. How Taira, how mitzvahs are full of beauty, and not the opposite such a person is, as this week's parasha tells us, he's a walking, talking Kiddush Hashem because simply he was made that decision, that all-important, life-altering decision that I'm going to see things in a positive light, I'm going to see the world as being wonderful, and I'm going to build up this wonderful world for HaKadosh Baruch Hu's and for Klai Yisrael's. Have a good chance. <laughs>